Everybody is wondering what and where they all came from. Everybody is worrying about where they're gonna go when the whole thing's done. But no one knows for certain, and so it's all the same to me. Think out, just let the mystery be. Some say what's gone. Uh, what you just heard is potentially the new theme song for The Leftovers Season 2, as reported by Alan Suppenwall. Yeah, I, so I know it's taking place in Texas, mm-hmm. and this certainly has a country folksy way about it, but I don't know what that's going to be like. Uh, it could be a remix, like Mar- Marilyn Maybe. Manson's version of Sweet Dreams, although I hope the Eurythmics so. original mix was kind of dark, too. They're going to bring in Trent Reznor. He's going to do the <laughs> the remix of that. Sure. I, I don't know, man. I mean, that could be good, I guess, if paired with the right visuals. The lyric, yeah, that's what I'm th- thinking. They could go s- extreme contrast because. Yeah. Uh, so I guess we'll just start talking about the, the leftovers right now. Yeah, welcome two. back. It's been a year. Very excited. Um, lots of exciting news to talk about. Uh, a lot of this is coming from Alan Sepinwall's coverage in the last two days. Uh, but he reports after seeing the first three episodes that they've dispensed with the classic leftovers intro of the. I guess stained glass, intro. Renaissance, Renaissance style, yeah, there you go. paintings, yeah, yeah, mural sort of stuff. And they're going with um, this song or some version of it uh, set against some visuals that and, will connect us more to the modern day, yeah, uh, uh, departure. And I'm I'm thinking that with the right set of just ultra depressing visuals, <laughs> that the saccharine nature of this song and the kind of you know, deeper meaning to the lyrics. Yes. Um, the more mo- mournful meaning of the lyrics could, you know, it's kind of like you mix sour and sweet together and you mm-hmm. end up with something better than the two standalone. But yeah, it's hard to believe that that's going to be the opening of. Yeah, I, I was surprised. I mean, the when I read the lyrics, I was like, oh, okay, that sounds leftovers-ish. Leftover? Yeah, leftover And then too. And then I heard the music and I was like, oh, that's not what I envisioned <laughs> at all. But we'll, we'll to, see. We'll find out this this Sunday. I don't know about you, but I personally like the Renaissance style. I did. That's intro. the thing. Like I, I was listening to a few of our podcasts to kind of prep myself for this, and one thing that I mentioned is that I felt like I got different. I never fast forwarded it, and I always got something slightly different, hmm. and and analyzed the different, you know, the slight kind of motion that they gave to the painting, and like what that yeah. meant, and. You know, who did I think was de- departed and what – I thought that was really interesting. I don't know if it would mm-hmm. stand up to a second season, but Seppenwald described it as a welcome change. And I don't know – Yeah, I don't, I don't know that I agree I don't know that. that I welcome it. No. I'm not saying I'm going to close the door in its face, but I'm also mm-hmm. not putting the red carpet out for it. Yeah, um, it, it seems like a lot has changed since the first season. Uh, not only in the intro, but in the show itself. There, There are some – I don't know. Seppenwall's interview with Damon Lindelof is really, really good, but it's really, really long, and I didn't read it all. I'm, I I read it all, and I'm going to link Christ. both his, his review and uh, the interview with Lindelof uh, in the show notes, because I think yeah. they're, you know, if you, if you want a more in-depth view than this, then, uh, then you need to go and read those, because this is just kind of the Cliff Notes version of those. This is, yeah. uh, if we're going to do a clickbait title, this is the nine shocking facts we learned about... <laughs> Leftover season two from the Alan Seppenwall. Are we going to get to nine? Coverage. 
Uh, I don't know. There might only be four shocking facts. And we'll have to I, I got a lot of shocking facts. You do? Okay. The, I how got about, a lot of, I got a lot shocking... of weird tricks that, Dan, that Lindelof is going to use to hook you into the... Yep. Uh, well, so one thing is the Seppenwall review, again, he's seen three episodes, is that The Leftovers is still TV's best drama as season two begins. That's his tagline, yeah. He, his made, it the, he made it his favorite television show of last year. I really really liked it and you know i i, I was kind of amazed at our wrap-up cast for last year how much time i spent kind of being defensive about the show because this is come to be known as a very polarizing show there's some people that think sure. it is the best thing on television and there's some people to think that it's just misery porn yeah it's just depressing for the sake of being depressing and what the hell are you guys seeing in all this um, you know, if you're new to our coverage, uh, one of the things that hooked me in was the uh, analysis of like religion and particularly cults that would spring up in these kind of apocalyptic situations. And that still is something that I'm kind of fascinated about. Like, I, I want to see more of the guilty remnant. Uh, I want to see more about some of the other, like the barefoot people and some of the other, you know, what's going to happen to the Holy Wainers now that Holy Wayne is dead. I mean, so that it looks could like... be seen as a pr- fulfillment of prophecy. Yeah, so based on the the previews I've seen for season two, it seems like there are going to be other uh, forces at work here. You know, it's it may not be as much the guilty remnant in Jarden. It may be uh, some other form of cult or religion or something that steps sure. in to take its place. And I think, you know, having Matt carry over to season two is going to be good for that. Mm-hmm. He's going to be able to kind of, you know, give us his interpretation on all these things, mm-hmm. um, which I'm excited about because... Frankly, he's one of the best characters. Uh, th- I feel like they took the three best characters. Um, maybe four. I saw Patty in in one of the previews as well. Sure. Took the four best characters and drug them into season two. Yeah. So I'm happy about that. I, and I think, you know, Kevin's dad is, it looks like he makes an appearance here or there. He does, yeah. Because it seems from what I can gather that we are going to focus on this Jarden, uh, Texas, this town that is miraculously spared from the departure. I mean, no one, yeah. uh, no, no one from this town was was one of the departed, mm-hmm. and it's been like named a national park. It's called Miracle now, and like people, yeah. it's, it's a nexus for people that are like seeking answers or seeking meaning in life. And I think that's interesting, but it does seem like there are a few things uh, tying us back to upstate New York. Yeah, yeah. And um... I mean, I don't know how spoilery we want to get, and we don't actually have spoilers. We just know some of the characters that are going to show up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess episode three, according to Steppenwall, goes back to uh, Mapleton and looks in on his ex, on Kevin's ex, and Tommy. Yeah. So we're going to get some of them, too, and we're going to go back to Mapleton at least for a little bit. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm excited about it. I, they they threw up a website called welcome to miracle.com. Mm. If you want to go check that out, there isn't a ton there. There's a, a preview and there's a link to uh, HBO's blog, which uh, has a lot of interviews and other videos kind of explaining who the Murphys are, which is a new family we're going to meet in Jarden. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of, a lot of good in-depth stuff there. So check that out. So potential kind of mirrors to the the Garveys because we know that the uh, head of the Murphy clan is a firefighter. Yeah. Which is interesting. You know, it got the stereotypical counterpart to the cop. You got the firefighter and the the, the, the policeman. Yeah. Uh, I also thought it was interesting in Seppenwall's review that he mentioned he talked to some of his fellow critics. He hasn't named names, frustratingly. 
but they Feinberg, were Feinberg, Dan Feinberg. <laughs> they were have well, that's the thing. Like at at time of press, uh, Sepin, their their firewall and iceberg podcast uh, hasn't come out. In fact, I don't know if it will ever come out again. I wasn't sure if last week was the, I didn't get to the end of last week's. Uh, I know Dan only has hmm. a limited amount of time before he starts working for. And at October first seems like a reasonable cutoff for yeah. someone not being able to produce content for your old boss. Sure. So I and and I'm not sure what their plans for the future. So maybe there just won't be a podcast review. But um, he said that he talked to a lot of them that were staunchly anti uh, the leftovers last year. Yeah. And they have watched. They gave the the new three episodes a chance, and now they're pleasantly surprised. <laughs> so that if 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 that's true, this could be a breakout season because yeah, and be. I, and I think that there's a lot of things that point to that direction. Number one, um, again, that that really long interview with Lindelof seemed to be very fascinating. Look into what it's like to be that guy, the guy who wrote Lost and who took a shouldered a lot of the blame sure. for it, <laughs> and the lessons he's learned and how he's kind of refocusing it in this work. You got yeah. that. You got all of the buzz that's. You know the leftovers got and the reward shows or, or, or the award shows and even mm. like the anti buzz it got like people decrying the fact that Carrie Coon wasn't nominated for an Emmy that yeah. stuff all helps build buzz around something. So mm-hmm. I'm thinking that yeah if if they cannot go away from the roots that made me love the show but also somehow make it more accessible for people I don't yeah, know how you do the that. question I have like how did they. If if these people are worried about the tone of it in season one and they're they're like, yeah, we hate the tone. We don't care. We don't want the show. Uh, and then in season two, they've changed their mind. How does that what does that suggest for the show and the tone of it and the subject matter and stuff? I I, I don't know that I necessarily want just a repeat of season one in mm-hmm. a different town. Yeah. Um, But at the same time, it won't feel like the leftovers if we're not dealing with these subjects of grief and all the all that kind of stuff. Well, the know? other thing I'll say is that, you know, we talk about sometimes there are, like, really tonal fits. Um, this episode came out in June of last year, or this mm-hmm. season, the first season. It's in the height of summer. And I don't know if it's super bright outside and sunny and you just had a long Fourth of July weekend. Do you want yeah. this thing pissing in your cornflakes? Whereas October, the weather's getting a little colder. It's getting a little rainier. Mm-hmm. Uh, frost is on the pumpkins. I always felt like Fargo and The Leftovers should be a fall-winter show. Yeah. And because of uh, because of overruns and delays and, and whatnot, we're getting them both in the fall. So I think that uh, it could just be that the critics are like, I got the preview copy in June, and I tried to watch it while I was... I, I, you know, on the edge of my pool, and I'm like, "Fuck this shit!" And <laughs> you know, set and setting, right? Yeah, margarita and leftovers do not go together. No, 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 no. <laughs> in any world, no one likes leftover margaritas. No, just pour that shit down the drain. Uh, the other thing that gives me hope, and that you kind of touched on here with like these delays and stuff, I was reading that interview with Lindelof, and uh, he said that they shut down production for a couple of weeks on season one because they came back with the. A cut of season four or episode four, rather. Yeah, that they didn't like, and they went to HBO and they said, "Look, we've got this shot. We've got it in the can. We don't like it. Can mm-hmm. we fix it?" Mm-hmm. And HBO, being HBO and being awesome, they were just like, "Yeah, go ahead and fix it. Yeah, Take the time you need. We don't want that shit on our network. Rewrite, reshoot. Yeah, I mean that that is not something I could see another network doing, right? 
they'd probably be like, oh, it's half an episode. People will get over it. Yeah, I mean, HBO is different. They are. They really I mean, are. I remember when I first got into this TV game, I thought the it's not TV, it's HBO was just like the smuggest bullshit <laughs> I've ever. But after sure. hanging around for a couple of years and seeing what's on that network versus what's on other network, not to say that, you know, some of my two favorite shows, Mad Men and uh, uh, Breaking Bad, were passed on by HBO. Yeah. Uh, they are, they just do things differently and the way they see money and the way they see ratings are different. And that leads to a lot of creative expression. Plus I always say that, uh, however good Mad Men and Breaking Bad are, were, they'd be way better on HBO. (laughs) Probably so. Probably so. (laughs) They'd have been way better on HBO. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I thought was interesting is he says there is a completely bonkers, even by the leftover standard prologue. Mm Mm-hmm. To this new season and he says I don't want to die the less you know about it the better but he goes to this baseball fan he, he goes it, it's it, it takes the biggest of swings and for this baseball fan this particular swing decidedly connects and I'm like what does bait okay is someone going to be at bat in the World Series and they get disappeared? Like, wh- what the hell? I think hell? you're taking that a little too literally. Maybe, but like, what is you with a baseball fan? What the fuck does that have to do with anything? He's a baseball fan and he wanted to use the phrase take a big swing. Yeah, I mean, we there were bonkers things about the last season. I mean, most I mean, notably the premise when itself that was bonkers, but most notably when the town lost its collective shit over the guilty yeah. remnants uh, shenanigans. Yep, um, and just how you know Patty ended up getting murdered, and and the mental games they played with uh, his father and his the people that are talking to him, and now it looks like Kevin's got Patty following him around. Is she a ghost? Is she? Him just being crazy. Uh, yeah. The fun thing about the show is you cannot, even though Lindelof is still doubling down on, we're not explaining anything. There are no, if you're looking, if you're watching yeah. this show for answers about the departure, you are, you are pissed. You are, you know, jumping off a cliff. You're throwing yourself off a cliff. I don't want anyone to give me a shit about it. Mm-hmm. Having said that, the fun thing about it is you can't completely dismiss the supernatural. Sure. And no. we talked a lot last season about how this show really skillfully weaves that line between did I just see something that was supernatural or did I see mm-hmm. something that could be explained through the normal course of events? And here's the thing I think that I've noticed in his work since Lost, the lesson that he's learned is, um, and I think he says this or something like it somewhere in that interview, that basically that mystery doesn't keep people engaged, and especially in a in a very short run like this with 10 episodes in a season you need to let the audience know where they stand and where you stand and i think the show itself has not encouraged people to be asking those questions aside yeah. from the actual premise of the show the the episodes themselves have always been this is about how the people feel yes. and how they deal with it not about what happened yes so get used to it <laughs> yeah no it's almost like the event is a macguffin that or an engine, rather, that just generates drama. Yeah, and there's some residual stuff like, oh, everybody's looking into this National Geographic thing yes. when it came out. And like the the some of the fans are looking for that stuff, but it's not really there for that purpose, I don't think. Yeah, and I don't think that, I mean, I, and HBO did some brilliant social engagement, and I hope we can get in on some of that because uh, it's not for lack of trying, but we didn't get mailed to Box or Nat Geo or whatever. Mm, um the handgun that each that you know that i don't know how smart that was to mail out handguns (laughs) to people but uh uh, (laughs) 
Uh, we're on the list. Hopefully, we'll get some this year. But I thought that's kind of interesting and, and fun. And I don't think we're going – I just wonder because some of the stuff that Lindelof said is like I feel like I've learned that people should know where they're going. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, people enjoy mysteries and all that, but they should – and they like being surprised, but they should have a, a, a good idea of where we're going. I don't know that he's right about that. Hmm. But – to the extent that he is, I hope that they're doing this through these kind of almost alternative reality games and, you know, where there is an answer you can unravel, but it's about where the show's going, not about the event. Okay. Yeah. Not about the event itself. Sure. The other thing I thought was interesting in the review was that I guess from the three episodes he saw, you've got it, – it's a very tight POV. Like the first episode is entirely from the Murphy's POV. And then the second episode is entirely from the Garvey's POV with the structure, the timeline being parallel so that you'll see a scene initially from the Murphy's POV. The next week you see a scene from the Garvey's POV. And I think that's kind of interesting. You see some of that stuff like in Pulp Fiction. Sure. You know, where you'll see a background conversation between John Travolta and Bruce Willis. And then you get the the conversation from Bruce Willis's perspective. I think that's kind of interesting. It's I don't I'm kind of nervous that it can a whole season can sustain that. Yeah, or even just a whole two episodes like, yeah, I kind of like the hinting at it more than more than the actual. On the other hand, the two best episodes last season were where we solely got Matt's story and then we solely got a sister um, Nora. Was it Nora? Yeah, Uh, I want to call Carrie. Well, we get just a sole focus on them. Those are the two best episodes of the season. So they mm-hmm. can certainly do it. But if they are playing with that as a conceit for the whole season, I'm kind of interested to see if that is as successful as they obviously hope it was. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of the lessons that um, he learned in Lost and in season one of this are carrying over to season two. And I'm, I, th- I think he's on the right track. You know, the other thing um, we worried about, I remember when we first saw the trailers in the summer, we're like, man, one of the things that was awesome about the show is kind of the somber Mapleton setting. You know, mm-hmm. there's snow on the ground. It was kind of, even though it wasn't chilly outside, the the show itself was kind of chilly. And now they're moving to Austin, Texas. Yeah. Is that going to fuck up the feel? And Seppenwall says it doesn't reduce a bit of the show's immersive quality, okay. which is kind of interesting because... You know, a lot of shows like could Fargo work in Tampa Bay? Doesn't feel like it. Like could could Breaking Bad work in probably not <laughs> in uh you know Atlanta? Yeah, Pro- I mean maybe, but it wouldn't be the same show. It's no. it's interesting no. that this show could survive such a drastic change of setting. Yeah, yeah. I mean the the it seems like everything I've seen about season two, as far as trailers and previews and stuff are focusing on this idea of Jarden and Miracle National Park. What is it? What's going on there? Why isn't it everything it seems to be? Or is it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, th- is it go- that seems to be like the central mystery for yeah. this season. And I don't... I, I don't know. I, I mean, I'll have to see some episodes to see how I feel about that. But Plus, I'm trying to think, like, what is the mystery here? Like, if yeah. people just set up a commune, if there's a deep, dark, like... Is it going to be something along the lines of um, uh, what's that blue fuzz or uh, hot fuzz? Hot fuzz. Uh, yeah. Is it going to be that kind of deep dark secret? Maybe. Maybe. Or world's in where everyone's a robot with blue blood. Like it's is it a Stepford wife kind of deep dark secret or what? Well, it, so the premise of 
of it being a mystery and them hinting that there's more to it and this idea that no one has disappeared, no one was departed from here, has me immediately intrigued. Because uh, I wonder if it's like the town folk themselves don't like all these interlopers. Like, look, we dodged a bullet the first time. This happens again. You know, maybe there's a plot to drive people away or even, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm just spitballing here, but there's a lot of interesting possibilities. Or, I mean, maybe it's, the claim itself is false. Maybe oh. there are people who've departed and they're using this as like a tourist opportunity. Yeah, you know, that's interesting because Lindelof talked a lot about how they did the world building here where they're like, okay, there's this town, no departures. Yeah. How would that get verified? <laughs> you know, there's like mm-hmm. a, you know, like Nora was working for the Department of Sudden De- Departures, and one of her jobs was to go down and, you know, fill out everybody's claims and kind of, are you know, did they send a whole bunch of Noras down there? Uh, you know, how do you, how do you measure that? Like, what if, is it the physical geography? Like, what if someone moved out the week before? Did they still <laughs> suffer? Like, there's, that's such a yeah. nebulous term. Mm-hmm. Um, how far out? in this town like you know city limits are kind of <laughs> arbitrarily defined that's yeah. just kind of interesting how would that get verified um and if if maybe the deep dark secret is there are people that departed what yeah. if there's like five people departed and they're being played by some other people that would be kind of like a real step for <laughs> replacement family type of thing going on uh i don't know we'll we'll see i mean it, that seems to be the central mystery and i'm intrigued by it so uh, they also the other thing I thought was super interesting is that uh, Sepinwall hints that there's something happening in Australia, Australia that he wants us to be that that Lindelof wants us to huh. be paying attention to. Now that is completely off my radar because we me too. You know, Yemen was a thing last year, it, but barely. Like it, it was, was mentioned like, on a TV one time, and it was yeah. in one of their promotional graphics. Yeah, and, the alphabet of of the yeah. leftovers, and it was a kind of a big deal not a really big deal in the book but you know one of these examples of like a low intensity conflict that has been kicked off by the sudden departures so that was one of the things that was the thing that caused the production shutdown in season one they were like yes uh, we focused half of this episode on on a soldier who came back from that war in yemen he was almost a pov character and it doesn't contribute at all to the main character story so get it out of here yeah well i mean they didn't completely get it out of there they just really scaled it Scaled it pretty far back. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that was... Um, I wonder if the production, the the alphabet of of Leftovers was made before all that. Maybe. So that it was still made with the human being a big deal. And in, in the show, it's all the survives is that there's a couple of, like, CNN-style updates about what's going on over there. Yeah. But Australia... I don't know, man. There's also the Anything other thing could that be got happening cut. in Australia. The other thing that never, the only other thing that didn't get played out that I can remember from the alphabet of the leftovers, which if you if you don't know, if you go to the official site for the leftovers on HBO, one of their promotional materials is the alphabet of it, and they have like almost Dr. Seuss illustrations, very dark Dr. Seuss illustrations of the alphabet of, uh, you know, it's like. Uh, uh, e is for everyone we lost that day, and F yeah. is for our friends that we will never forget, and it's that kind of thing, like it's almost a children's book. But there's one is yeah. U is for uranium and the deep secrets within, or something like that. Yeah. And now we got Australia. What the fuck? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, if this thing truly is global, I I would imagine many other people are dealing with this. So sure. like. I'm not sure if we're going to see some of what's going on. Does in it Australia, have something to do or... with crocodile dung 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 
probably Dundee, Dundee, and and Dundee. air conditioning Dundee Jesus air conditioning drinking camels yep probably yep I don't know Yahoo serious is he he fucked <laughs> around and he brought about the the end of the world God damn it so I will have to see what's going on there I there are very very sparse hints on that yeah uh, had a couple of pieces of feedback from the forums I want to talk about kind of uh, the two sides of the coin. Uh, of the listener reaction. we got Tyler S. from Utah. Says, Seppin will actually put this as his number one show last year. I recently rewatched season one, and I might have to agree. It's so emotional and powerful, and I'm very much looking forward to season two. But interesting to see how Lindelof and uh, Peralta handle, or Perota handle not having any source material. That's uh, an allusion to the fact that season one was based on the book by Tom Perota, and that book is done. Yeah, you know, I mentioned in the spoiler part of last season, there is one minor piece of plot that may or may not happen in this season, but ninety nine point nine percent of the book has already been is is done. So we expressed concerns with Lindelof that you know because Perota had an interview where he talked about how it's made it seem like that he was the restraining factor. Lindelof was always wanting to take it into X Files land, yeah. and he's always wanting to say, "Well, how could this be a real?" How can we not, you know, make a sop to the supernatural as as every little thing that we have to do, mm-hmm. and and having his you know material be the backbone of the series probably gave him a lot of weight. Is he still going to have that in season two? I'm less worried about that with Lindelof. This this interview he gave Seppenwall. Yeah, me too. And apparently, you know, Perot is still going to be hanging around, contributing a lot sure. to the story. And then again, if, you know, if I, if you view Vin Lindelof as a, you know, liar, liar, pants on fire type of situation, <laughs> then everything he says is just kind of bullshit. I think he learned his lesson. I, I really do. You can't say, yeah, we got the ending all planned out and we know what we're doing and we're no, we know how we're getting there and all that shit. And then have it not be obviously not true and still maintain but what that lesson stance. do you learn? It's kind of like, you know, not the, to lie to the sure, public. but like the, the, the adage about the military, you're always fighting the last war mm-hmm. because that's what you had to experience. Like is his reaction of not, of not giving satisfying answers to everything uh, and promising is, is he going to do the same shtick, but this time being like, look, I'm not going to give you any answers. Okay. To a certain extent, that's only going to work if there is, if you can, if you don't layer on the mystery and intrigue. Yeah. Uh, You know, if this is really about a family drama, then we need to stick to that and not be getting into a lot of, you know, X-Files type stuff and a lot of conspiracies and a lot of National Geographic pouring and all that. Those those goals seem to be at odds. But well, yeah, the know. conspiracy stuff I agree with. Um, the supernatural, though, I don't necessarily think is a problem because the whole premise is supernatural, right? I mean, whether or not it's God or some natural force... As far as we're concerned, it's supernatural. It's something we've never seen happen, and we don't think could happen, and then it does. Yeah, but what I'm saying is it's still going to be ultimately unsatisfying if you present a bunch of mysteries yes. and a bunch of things that you don't have answers for versus saying there is a mysterious thing that is at the core of this thing that we're not going to address or answer. That's a difference, and I hope he understands the difference between that. Yeah, and he took Because otherwise it's a little bit of like you're cheating on your wife – and then you reconcile and get back together, and this time it's like, well, I'm still going to cheat on you. I'm just going to not 
tell you I'm being faithful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like they're still not exactly what you're looking for out of a relationship. Sure, sure. So I, I do. I think he's learned his lesson. I hope it's the right ones. Um, but I, you know, the guy it does seem like, like he's a pretty sensitive guy. He seems like he takes criticism of his work seriously, and I can relate to that. Like yeah. I don't can't even imagine what it's like to have millions of Twitter followers telling you to kill yourself or demanding six years of your life back or something like that over a piece of entertainment that you did. And he also says that like, if it wasn't for Carlton Cuse, that he would have quit mm-hmm. because the stress of, of, of loss and all that was too much for him. Yeah. And he would have stepped down and it's only the him coming in and shouldering some of that load. So it's almost like maybe he didn't even want to do it. Um, he felt bad about it. Uh, he didn't like his direction, but I don't know. Yeah, uh, we'll see. Uh, we have a man is no one from Greensboro, North Carolina. He's got the flip side of the uh, Tyler S. coin. He says the leftovers is interesting and different, but calling it the best show on television last year is Looney Tunes to me. <laughs> Their first half of season one, albeit with excellent acting, just hurled question after question at the audience without providing any answers. As seasons in, most of these questions were still unanswered. Again, much excellent acting going on, but a lot of the plot of season one is below average to my eyes, which is what I was afraid of. That even if with a giant disclaimer, this show will contain no answers for any of the questions you're looking for, just by asking, That's just the by key. presenting, you have to the, ask less questions. Just by presenting <laughs> the questions, like you and and doing all this mysterious crap in the background, you're begging people to try to answer those questions. And it puts us okay, in a frustrating spot because people are theorizing more or less successfully, and what do we do with it? Sure. Uh, one thing that is, I guess, kind of scary to me is the idea that the uh, Lindelof states in the interview that he enjoys amb- ambiguity and those kind of questions at the end of a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that can be satisfying. And I've seen many movies where you walk away going, Either what did I just see and why is it important or how do I feel about what just happened? And Mm -hmm. I think the how do I feel is a better ending for me. Like something happened there. I know what it is. Now how how do I feel about it? And I'm not sure that Lindelof is going to nail that. That doesn't seem to be the same thing that he's interested Mm. in, which is more like what did I see? Mm. Yeah, that's a good – So I'm (laughs) – I hope it's not that at the end. Um but I, I think just ask less questions. <laughs> the other thing I want to talk about is that feel more, ask less. We are pretty emphatic about this show only being able to be like a two or three season show. Mm-hmm. In the interview that I got with Lindelof, he seemed to think that there's no reason this couldn't run like a five or six season run. And he hmm. um, used like Friday night lights and six feet under. He's like, you know, six feet in, how many stories can you tell about death? Well, it turns out a shitload of them. And if they're willing to do something like move from Mapleton and go to his garden and and keep introducing new areas of geography and new families, how many stories can you tell about loss and hopelessness in a modern age? I could, if, if you frame it that, because I was thinking they'd just stay at Mapleton, you'd have this guilty remnant, things, you know, tensions would get, I honestly am blown away that they've shooken up the show this much. Yeah. Um, Lindelof hates it when people refer to this as a reboot because that implies that they're doing this because the first thing wasn't successful. And he's mm. like, no, 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 it's yeah, not yeah. that. This is just where the story took us. Sure. But still, that's that's a huge change. If they're able to successfully do that and keep telling these stories, I kind of agree with him. I don't know why there's an artificial cap because the story is going to get bigger and bigger. 
Mm-hmm. It's not going to stay constrained on this one little thing. Here's the thing I wouldn't want to do is binge all six seasons of it <laughs> on Netflix. Oh, God. And then blow my brains out. Yeah, <laughs> that's like, you know, I, I think that that's... You need the, a palate cleanser. I don't know that you can binge this show. I don't. Not that much of it, Like no. the way, like... Um, a season, maybe. And there's a couple episodes where it's like, oh, God, I got, I can't wait to see what happens next. But, you know, it's almost like the anti-Breaking Bad, where everything gets bigger, you know, and keeps leaning this crescendo, and it's like, oh, next one, next one. This is just like, oh, God, I need to... I, <laughs> there are no obvious questions or anything at the end of this episode. I just need to go sit in a corner for a while and think about life. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I felt after basically every episode. All right. Uh, so one more note, a scheduling note. This podcast is probably going to be out late on Tuesdays because, like you said, it runs concurrently with The Walking Dead. We have uh, double Sunday, double Tuesday, shock power. Exactly. So Tuesday is a very busy day, so it's probably going to come out late on Tuesdays. And I think – on the second week, not not this week, not the first premiere episode, but the second episode, we're probably going to have that out a little bit later than usual. We've got some traveling we're doing, and mm-hmm. with the double podcast, it's going to be really just breakneck trying to get it all done. Yeah. So I, I would expect um, this podcast out sometime in the evening on Tuesdays, and then that second week, potentially Wednesday-ish. Yeah, we'll see. But we'll see. But we're going to try I, to get it done Tuesday, but it's going to be tough. Yeah. Uh, and then we'll be back to the normal schedule of later yes. on Tuesdays from that point forward. But uh, yeah, it's for, so that's this, not this coming week because mm-hmm. that's the premiere. We'll have it, uh, you know, it's regular time, but it's it's a week after that. Yep. If you have feedback, you can send it in to leftovers at baldmove.com or we got a forum uh, on forums.baldmove.com. I'm dedicated. That's another new change for this year. Uh you know, our crowdsource uh, funding has allowed us to open up a forum and keep that thing going. So go to forums.baldmove.com. It's got its own forum, and you can post your theories and speculation and your thoughts and, you know, cry your eyes out there. Yeah. Tell us how much you love the new theme song, new intro. <laughs> All right. I think that's it until we uh, we see what they have in store for us in the first episode. Yeah. I'm excited. Can't wait. We will be talking to you next week. Yeah, see you then. Bye.